present this evening. Uh, we're so delighted and, and excited to be able to have a, a, another Tuesday night Bible study. Um, this is Pastor Thomas Rich of River of Life Christian Center. Normally on Tuesday night, Pastor Hayes from Tallahassee, Florida is teaching, but that brother is celebrating a milestone birthday this evening, and so we let him know, go ahead and enjoy your birthday, and we'll be glad to cover for you this evening. And so our teaching tonight is going to continue in the vein that we have been working on Monday nights, and that is we're going to be looking at another name for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I'm going to ask if each of you would bow your heads with me, and <clears throat> we'll have a word of prayer, then we'll begin to look at the name, my beloved son. Father, we bless, honor, and thank you, God, for the privilege of this Tuesday night opportunity to teach. God, we bless you for every saint that is on the line tonight. We pray your blessing, your healing, your favor. We pray your open door and your breakthroughs, God, for each and every one that's on the line. We bless you for the 65th birthday of, our, of Pastor Hayes. And last month it was the 65th of Pastor Ellis. And so we see that you are blessing lives with more life. And we thank you for that this evening, God. Lord, uh, we lift up our nation from the White House to uh, the Father's house away from the White House, God. And we pray that you would just bless all of our leadership, the President, the Congress, the, the, the Supreme Court, uh, in our uh, state government, from state houses to uh, delegates and uh, representatives in the state, the local city mayors and county executives, and on down to our nation. God, we pray for wisdom for our leaders. We don't just ask for any kind of wisdom, but we pray for Holy Spirit-led wisdom. We pray for salvation, God. We, we, we come against the spirit uh, uh, that has our nation so terribly divided, one party against the other. The parties were never supposed to fight, but they were supposed to just be, hold one another accountable. Lord, we have drawn lines in the sand. There's no desire to, to bless and heal the land, but we're asking you now to heal our land. For I believe that as you heal our minds, hearts, and spirits, and our leaders, that even this coronavirus will uh, be pushed to the background, that the, the solution will quickly arrive, and we will be one united family uh, together. God, we, we, we thank you for the people are working hard to try to create uh, a, a vaccine or whatever is going to be necessary, that the, the kind of impact that our nation and the world is experiencing right now will be cut out. In fact, God, we know that uh, you can literally snap a finger or speak a word, and it can be gone without a trace of it anymore. But God, we promise you we will not forget the experience because we have taken life too easily. So tonight, God, we, we just bless you, and we lift up everything about our lives and, and the direction that we're going individually, collectively, and as a nation. I ask you to order my steps, order my words, take control of everything that I do and say tonight, that when we are done with this lesson, that you will be high and lifted up, 
and that your men and women of God will have an even greater intimacy with you as personal Lord and Savior. God, we bless and thank you for it now. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. <clears throat> well, family, um, as I said, our subject for the evening as we continue in the names of Jesus is my beloved son. Uh, the, the, the name comes out of Matthew chapter 3, so if you open your Bibles, Matthew chapter 3, uh, drop down to verse 13, and we're going to read from verse 13 down through verse 17. And although I'll, I'll read it back and forth from the King James as we go along, uh, I'm going to start tonight from the Living Bible. I, I like the way that that reads and talks about this name. So beginning at verse 13, it says, Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it and said, I am the one who needs to be baptized by you. So why are you coming to me? Verse 15, but Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. Verse 16, <clears throat> after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he, John, saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and setting on him Jesus. And verse 17 says, and a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly beloved Son who brings me great joy. Amen. And, and I'm going to read verse 17 now from the King James. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Amen. So that's our scripture lesson for tonight. And uh, I'm just simply going to start by saying that while all believers would eventually be called sons of God or children of God, Jesus has a different, unique relationship with God, and he is the one unique son of God of whom God called his beloved son, then went on to very explicitly declare in whom I am well pleased. I love that phrase, y'all, because when, when I read that in John 3, 17, um, <clears throat> I, and just thought about what he's saying now and who I am fully pleased with, that means that the Father takes great delight, pleasure, and satisfaction in the Son. And, and we saw um, uh, uh, in the Old Testament, there were precursors of God's attitude, his feeling, his heart toward his son, Jesus Christ. I'm going to read two examples of that to you. The first one is coming from Psalm 2 and 7, and the second one is going to be Isaiah 42 and 1. I'm reading Psalm 2 and 7 from the Living Bible, and it says this. His chosen one replied, quote, I will reveal the everlasting purposes of God, for the Lord has said to me, You are my, my son. 
this is your coronation day. Today, I am giving you your glory. That, that's how uh, Jesus recognized the way that God really felt about him when God said over in John, I am fully pleased with them. In Isaiah 42 and 1, I'm reading from the Message Bible, and it says, <clears throat> take a good look at my servant. I'm backing him to the help. He's the one I chose, and I couldn't be more pleased with him. I bathed him with my spirit, my life. He'll set everything right among the nations. That's the heart that God had toward his son, Jesus Christ. Uh, the, the voice from the throne of heaven describing the status of Jesus, both as the servant who would suffer and die, but also as the king who would reign forever, the one in whom God is well pleased and declares is his beloved son. So family, the, the text in Matthew 3, verses 13 to 16, describes God's uh, first step as it relates to the baptism of our Lord Jesus Christ, after which Jesus would enter into his public ministry. And Sorry. Uh, uh, according to the tradition of the Jewish priests, took up their office. Uh, they normally did it at the age of 30. And most of us are aware of the fact that even Jesus began his public ministry at the age of 30, which was in keeping with the tradition of the priest, the Jewish priest at that time. And upon taking their office, the tradition was that they were ceremonially washed with water, which would normally be compared to baptism. What did we see when we opened with the text of Matthew tonight? We saw John, I mean, I'm sorry, we saw uh, Jesus Christ coming to John to be baptized. What was his age? His age was 30. What was the tradition during that time? That the Jewish priest at the age of 30 would occupy and move into their public office, and they were ceremonially washed. So we have just witnessed the same thing happening to Jesus Christ. Not only did we see him uh, being uh, baptized and, and, and the uh, symbol of him moving into his public ministry. But the Bible said that uh, a, a dove alighted upon his shoulder and that John saw the heaven open up and then he heard the voice of God declare, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Family, when our great high priest, Jesus Christ, begins the great work that he came into the world to accomplish. He is also publicly washed or baptized, as I just described to you. Now, let's talk about that baptism a little bit more. <clears throat> Excuse me. Baptism of our, our Lord Jesus Christ was surrounded by an atmosphere of seriousness and genuine dignity. Nothing like this had ever happened before this occasion, and there is nothing anywhere in Scripture that indicates that it will ever happen like this again. It, it stands alone in this illustration. Yes, 
it, it, it was done by the priest normally, but nobody had had a baptism experience like John was able to describe that Jesus had had. God had set him apart, and he had a, a different description for him, my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Scripture tells us uh, of the presence of all three of the persons who make up the blessed Holy Trinity. God the Son was manifested in the flesh and baptized. God the Spirit descended like a dove and sat, landed upon him unexpectedly. But that was the Spirit. And then we saw God the Father speaking from heaven with an audible voice describing and making it clear who this was that was coming to John for this uh, unique baptism. He wasn't just being washed in water this time, but the voice of God was speaking and authenticating who this particular priest was and, and, and what his heart was about this person. Uh, in, in this one scriptural picture family, we have the manifested presence of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and this is God providing infallible evidence of the public announcement that the work of Christ was the result of the eternal counsel of all three. It was the entire the Trinity which at the beginning of creation said, and you guys know this all the way back in Genesis 1, let us make man. That's the Trinity. That's who he was talking about all the way back in Genesis 1. When he said let us, he was talking about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It was the entire Trinity again, which at the beginning of the gospel seemed to be saying to you and me, and to the world, let us save man. I, I want y'all to maybe even make a note of that because I think that's really what Matthew was really saying to us. Let us save man. That's what he was doing when Jesus came for this baptism. The text in, in, in Matthew 3.17 says, a voice from heaven at the baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ. Two, zero, this, two. This experience of the voice from heaven was a particularly sobering and even solemn circumstance. Why? Because the only other time in Scripture where the Bible tells us of a voice speaking from heaven before this was God speaking to Moses beginning at the burning bush and continuing all the way through Moses' encounters with the Pharaoh right through the Exodus experience, even especially as God gave Moses the law on Mount Sinai. We don't see that kind of communication between God and anyone else in Scripture in the, in the manner that we saw with John and Moses. And so I believe, and, and my goal tonight is to demonstrate to you that on each of these occasions, uh, they were both peculiar, but also important. And that's why God made it a point to illustrate it in the manner that he did. In fact, in my opinion, 
our Father in heaven was endeavoring to mark each of these occasions with a peculiar honor. And, and, and I want you to capture, I said, I think he was marking that this was not something that could easily be identified anywhere else. You got to try to make it happen somewhere else in order to be able to describe it. But it's clear with Moses, and it's clear at the baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ. So watch this. I love how God can mark something or someone in a manner that makes their urgency or importance unequivocal. I, I love it. Watch, watch this. At the introduction of both the law and the gospel, God himself speaks. He didn't send an angel of the Lord. It's not like the, the, the encounter that Jacob had or uh, the encounter that um, um, Ishmael's mom had when she was running away from Abraham and um, uh, uh, Sarah. They, they all had an, an encounter, but it wasn't God speaking to them like he spoke to Moses and he spoke to John. On each of those occasions, God's words were both striking, but they were also deeply instructive. And so our focus tonight is what God's voice said at the time that Jesus was about to begin his public ministry. I said tonight we're going to be talking about the name for Jesus, my beloved son. I think it would be impossible to imagine how God's feelings and motivation could possibly have been made any clearer or more specific of his motivation, except that we listen to the words of his heavenly voice when he said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He, he declares in these words, y'all, that that Jesus is the divine Savior. He's sealed and appointed from all eternity to carry out the work of redemption. I don't know if you're catching that, but who needed to be redeemed? If you, me, all of us. And he sent him for us as our Redeemer. That, that, that was the one that God loved, knowing that when he came, that he was ultimately going to suffer the humiliation uh, of, of going before Pontius Pilate, uh, of having people depict uh, Barabbas over him, uh, of having to drag his own cross uh, up the Via Della Rosa to the place called the Skull, having uh, everyone to watch as he was nailed to that old rugged cross, the, 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 the whips that and lashes that he took that caused uh, pieces of his flesh to fly horribly in every direction, beaten to the point of uh, being unrecognizable, uh, a crown of thorns being placed upon his head to uh, humiliate him. But they did not re recognize that what they were doing is what the songwriter said when he said, crown him Lord of Lords and King of Kings. That's what they were doing, but they didn't know it. And God the Father was proclaiming that he accepts his son, Jesus Christ, as the, and here, here's last night's word, I want y'all to grab this, as the mediator between God and man. Anybody remember that from last night? 
he, he, he came to be the mediator between you and God, between me and God. And, and, and God is seemingly publishing to the world that he is satisfied with Jesus as the propitiation, as the substitute, as the ransom payer for the lost family of Adam and the head of a redeemed people. In other words, y'all, uh, last night we said he's the head of the church. The church are a redeemed people. Uh, we came to him as a part of the lost family of Adam. But after receiving him, we became a part of the church, and he called us redeemed. Isn't that good news? I am redeemed. What with the price? Jesus. Let me just keep going. In Jesus, y'all, God sees this fully law magnified and made honorable. Through Jesus Christ, we discover that he can both be just and at the same time the justifier of the ungodly. Uh, just in case this is not clear, he was my justifier, y'all. And if you want to be honest, right along with me, he's your justifier too. So he's a just, he's a just God, but he was also the justifier for you and me. I'm going to Romans chapter 3. Um, I'm going to read two verses from the Living Bible, verse 25 and 26. You might turn there if you want. Verse 25. For God sent Christ Jesus to take the punishment for our sins and to end all God's anger against us, to use Christ's blood and our faith as the means of saving us from his wrath. And in this way, he was being entirely fair, even though he did not punish those who sinned in former times. For he was looking forward to the time when Christ would come and take away those sins. That's verse 25 of Romans 3. Uh, to me, that's very powerful. That's one of those thoughts that when I consider all that that verse says, I just have to shout out, thank you, Jesus, because he didn't have to do it, but that's what he chose to do, because he loved you just like God loved him. Amen. Verse 26. And now in these days also, he can receive sinners in this same way, because Jesus took away their sins. Somebody say hallelujah. But, but isn't this unfair for God to let criminals go free and say that they are innocent? No, for he does it on the basis of their trust in Jesus who took away their sins. And y'all, I don't know about y'all, I would suggest that you write down those two verses, go back and read over them. I believe uh, as you read over them, hold them close to your heart and let them sink into your mind and spirit. For the greater love hath no man than that he will lay down his life for a friend. And, 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 and in Romans 3, 25 and, 3, and 26, uh, we're seeing evidence of that very thought. And that's powerful to me, y'all. And 
fact, I'll suggest that we ponder these words carefully. Well, as the Psalms would say, we need to every now and then take a Selah moment as we consider those words in, in Romans 3, 25 and 26. Listen, these words were spoken about Jesus Christ. They are full of rich food for, for thought. They are full of peace, full of joy, full of comfort and consolation because every person who has ever fled for refuge by coming to the Lord Jesus Christ have committed their souls to him for salvation. Now, um, you might have heard the word refuge. Didn't we talk about that Sunday? Uh, uh, last Sunday, uh, a place of refuge and consolation. And, and that's what Jesus, uh, that's what Romans 3.25 and 3.26 is reminding us of. He is our place of refuge and consolation. So, <clears throat> both the good and the amazing news about what I'm telling you right now, family, is that everyone who has done this can rejoice in the thought that even though in themselves they are uh, nothing but dirty, nasty, stinking sinners, but because of what Jesus has done for all of us, God's sight, we are counted righteous. I hope I didn't offend anybody by telling the truth, because the truth is, uh, if you haven't confessed him, you're still a dirty, stinking, nasty sinner. I don't care how you want me to dress it up, that's who you are until, you, until Jesus comes into your heart. And the reality is, we're always in a struggle to, to, to remain faithful to the one who gave his life for us. Uh, it, it would take nothing but a, a moment if we are not intentional about holding on to him because of what he has done for us. It would take nothing but a minute for my mind, for your mind, to go back to dirty and filthy, for your lifestyle, for my decision to take me back. It would take nothing but a, 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 a just a moment of saying, Jesus, I love you, but I'm putting you on the shelf for a moment because I, I, I got an appetite for that. And right now, give me a moment. I'll be back. What we have to be careful about is the moment we take away might be the moment that we cannot come back because the only thing that can wash away our sin is the blood of Jesus. And if we leave from under the flow of the blood, we could leave from the protection that Psalm 91 tells us about. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Y'all, we abide under the blood of Jesus Christ. And the Father regards all of us as members of his beloved Son because we are under that blood. He sees each of us without spot or wrinkle. Why? Because we are under the blood. Let, 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 me, let me put it to you like this. I might have mentioned this last night, but if I didn't, I'm definitely going to mention it tonight. Um, <clears throat> if you looked at a blackboard, let's say you were in school, 
and on that blackboard. Uh, maybe you've seen that commercial uh, in the last few months. Uh, I forget what it's advertising, but it's a huge room with a huge blackboard and a guy standing way up on a ladder. And he looks so tiny on that tall ladder against that huge blackboard. But if, if you can see that picture, that huge blackboard with all the formulas that this guy has written on the board, uh, looking scholarly, if you will, looking like the, the most scholarly person going, that could be your life and my life history. Uh, I told you I almost drowned once. And, and, and just before I was saved, I literally saw my entire life flash before my eyes. And I'm going to tell you something. Uh, it was my entire life in a matter of a, a split second just before they got me out of that water. And, and you could not have put my entire life on that picture that I just I gave you about that blackboard. But here's what I want you to gather from that. I want you to gather what Jesus was saying, what God was saying when he said, this is my beloved son. That, that son who, who, who intentionally permitted them to nail him to the cross because he knew that at the foot of the cross would be you and me covered in that dirty stain, that stinking stain of sin. And he knew that there would be years of history that made us foul to the air that we were in. But by the blood that washed down, it would be like an eraser and one big swipe across that huge blackboard, wiping away all of the sin, guilt, the stain, the sink, the funk, the nastiness, wiping it all away. And the moment that blood wiped it away, God the Father then is able to see you and me without spot or wrinkle. And he sees that for his son's sake. What, what are you talking about, teacher? Well, remember, he said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Because he gave his life, he washed away our sin. And God said, I am well pleased. I'm moving on. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6. And I'm going to read this to you from three translations because uh, I, I think each one helps that picture to become bigger. Ephesians 1, 6 from the King James. To the praise of the glory of his grace. Y'all know that grace is unmerited favor. It means getting uh, uh, what you didn't deserve, getting what you don't, uh, what you cannot earn. Uh, you get it because somebody chooses and loves you enough that they just are willing to give you that grace. You've been nothing but a mess up. You've made all kinds of uh, messes with the, the, the blessing that God has given you. And Jesus said, I love you enough that I'm going to die for you even though you are a mess. That's grace, y'all. And Ephesians 1, 6 says, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved. Who's the beloved? Uh, God said and called Jesus my beloved son. For he has made us accepted in the beloved, by the blood of the, the, the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. Listen to Ephesians 1, 6 in the Living Bible. 
<clears throat> now, all praise to God for his wonderful kindness to us and his favor that he has poured out upon us because we belong to his dearly loved son. I, I think the picture is getting clear there. But one more verse from Ephesians 1 6, one more translation, the New Living Translation. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. Uh, hopefully that, that makes that picture clear. Family, <clears throat> in Matthew 3, 16 and 17, all three persons of the Trinity are present and they are also active. Uh, this is called the doctrine of the Trinity, which was developed much later in church history, but it teaches us that God is three persons, yet one in essence. God the Father speaks, God the Son is baptized, and God the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus Christ to mark him as the one that that heavenly voice was re referencing when he said and declared, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now let, let me deal with this Trinity thing just a few more moments. God is one, yet in three persons at the same time. This is one of God's incomprehensible mysteries, y'all. But what is entirely indisputable about God's feelings toward his son, Jesus Christ, is that he is entirely pleased with him. Remember Matthew 3.17? What did he say? And lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well Family, I, I'm stopping right there. I didn't uh, expect to teach tonight, but at the last minute, I had to kind of put it together. And that's as far as I got in the time that I was able to work with it. Uh, and so we're going to stop right there. But how many of you have captured that 